Welcome to the Vet Church Podcast. Vet Church interviews are authentic, sacred, and inspirational. Vet Church is open to anyone who appreciates the sacrifice made by the women and men who put on a uniform and served this great nation. Find out more at vetchurch.com or retiredarmychaplain.com. Welcome back to another edition of the Vet Church Podcast. Today I'm sitting with Brian Griffin. Ooh, like the Griffin. Yeah. Oh, you hey, y'all can't see this, but Brian is showing me he's got a griffin coming out of a flag tattoo. Um, did you want to do you, do you want to talk about this thing? Oh, yeah, it's a constant glucose monitor. What's that? It monitors my glucose level in my blood all the like every couple of minutes. Really? Yep. So does it shoot to something? It's like it, it's kind of, I think it's Bluetooth to my insulin pump. So it tells it what my blood sugar is and my pump adjusts to to compensate for it. It's, it's pretty incredible looking. Um, <clears throat> so I guess you have to have like some diabetic diabetes to have something like that. Yeah, okay. for sure. You got another pump too somewhere, don't you? Well, that's what it talks to you. Oh, that's not like hooked into you? This is. And so is that? Yeah. This is like, it has a Teflon tube in there that that's where the insulin goes in. This checks my blood sugar all the time and it talks to this. So right now my blood sugar is 167. Are you in pain all the time with this stuff? No. It's uh. I I mean, I've seen you... Like, when we were out there, you know, you helped me some lace and block out there when I was building the studio portion. And I saw you stop one time and adjust something. What are you doing there? What's going on? Uh, like, if, so if my blood sugar is high, if it is continuing to go higher and higher, it'll, like, it tells it, but it's, it will only give me so much insulin. So if I see that it's really high, I can get more insulin. Okay. Um. Or, and I also, like every 12 hours, I have to calibrate it. So I have to physically check my blood sugar. And sometimes, like, I can snooze the alarm. It tells me I have to do it. I can snooze it. And that's probably what I have been doing. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, it's, it just, you push a, well, so to calibrate it, I have to check my blood sugar with a, a monitor. And then I put in here what it is. And it. Do you take, like, blood out of your finger mm-hmm. every 12 hours? Yeah. Which is a lot better than before I had this thing. I, every time I ate, I had to do it. Oh, no way. Yeah. And you've been doing this since you were... 18 months old. Which I haven't had this. I mean, this is... 18 months old? It's come a long way. Like, when I was 18 months old, there was no such thing as a pump. Yeah. Like, they didn't even hardly... Like, to check my blood sugar, I don't remember, but... Like, you, you peed on a strip. So, I was still in diapers, so Mom had to just take my diaper and dip it in my, in the pee in my diaper to check my, what my blood glucose level was. Wow. So, th- I mean, it really is a... I mean, it's come... It, huge. At, it's, they've made astronomical leaps and bounds in how to care for the diabetics. And I have type 1 diabetes, so it's... It's like my body makes zero insulin. 
So if you didn't have this, you wouldn't be here. Right. So or at least if I didn't have insulin, like I could manually check my blood sugar and give myself shots. And that's, that's how a lot of people do it. Still. Yeah. So I, I was, um, I was recently talking to somebody that had been diagnosed with diabetes, young kid, mm-hmm. and I won't go into any of those details of who, but it was it was really tough on the parents and it was tough on the kids they were old enough to feel this pain i mean are you in constant pain when you're doing this now or because you've been doing this you know no i like i mean i have to every two to three days i have to change the site where the insulin goes in which it goes in with a needle it's got a teflon tube around it needle comes out the teflon tube stays in it's not i mean it's not any worse than the shots that I was getting before. Um, it's actually better because I only have to do it every couple of days. Um, but growing up with it, like uh, it's a part of life. It keeps me alive. Yeah. So, so it is your, you know, this is just something that you live with. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm blessed that it happened so young because I don't know any different. I don't remember when I was diagnosed. So I've just always, it's always been a part of life. Did you ever have like a trouble with weight or anything? Like when I, ever since I've met you, you're like in perfect yeah, shape. I, yeah. It's just genetics. Yeah. Well, your dad's a little overweight. <laughs> mom, mom, mom's side of the family is yeah, super skinny. Always oh, has been. So that, because Joe's pretty skinny too. Yep. Yeah, and I, I, I'm not saying your dad's overweight. I'm saying like he didn't look, he didn't look skinny like you guys. Right. But he didn't he didn't look fat either. So, yeah. I've had dinner over there. <laughs> your mom has made <laughs> food that I can, she can cook. I mean, it's like wow. You just you think to yourself, stop. You can't eat anymore. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> like, so, so diabetes at a young age. That I mean. Which I mean, there d- were times when it was like, why, like, why, why am I going through this kind of thing? Um, and there were times like for a long time, I, I, I didn't take care of myself. Um, when I was old enough to, to not be like mom hovering over me, you know, I, I didn't, um, for a long time, I didn't take care of myself. Um, and I think, like, the the community of diabetics, it, it's kind of a trend, like, ebbs and flows of, um, I, I don't know what they would call it, but, like, you get burned out on all the stuff you have to do. Um, and a lot of people go through that where they, there are periods of time that they're really not taking care of themselves. Are you, now um, when you're talking periods of time, are you living at home still? Like are you 16, 17? Are you? Yeah. I mean, like when I was in high school, I would drink, I did drugs. I, you know, that's kind of where all that started. And like, we haven't talked about that, but I, I, I'm a drug addict. Like I'm, I'm in recovery now, but 
I, for a long time, part of that time that I wasn't taking care of myself, I, like, I really, like, I didn't have any desire to worry about it. You know, I just was like, whatever happens, happens kind of thing. Um, and, and I don't know that it was all about the diabetes. It was like, I don't know, um, something in my brain. Like, I, 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 I do think, um, growing up, like I, I didn't fit into one certain group. Like I, I played sports. I, I liked sports, but like at a certain, I don't even know when it, like I played football and baseball and soccer. And then, uh, I, I, in high school, I surfed all the time. Like all, like, Every day we would go to the beach. Really? Um, and it just was what we did, you know. And um, so, I like, I moved throughout different – like, I had friends in each of those groups. And, I, like, I, I still keep in touch with a lot of those people. But um, I think when I started – using drugs and drinking and stuff like it was like I fit in with anybody that had that had whatever I was trying to do yeah um it kind of no, it kind of normalized everything you're right. like you're all together you're all getting high you're right. all getting drunk whatever so um yeah I mean I don't know it it a lot of it when I would get high I wouldn't worry about anything like it was from a young age, I had res- a lot of responsibility trying to keep myself, you know, my blood sugar right. And don't eat this, don't eat that, or your blood sugar will be high. And without, before I had the pump, it was, this thing is a game changer. Like, um, before I had to get a shot every time I ate. And then with like a fast acting insulin and then in the morning and at night I had to get a shot with long lasting slow insulin. So I don't know. I mean, it it was not that my parents didn't help, but I still like, it was a big responsibility on me as a young child. Um, Oh yeah. I mean, it's, and that's, I mean, I didn't, when I was doing drugs, I didn't, all that stuff was just pushed to the side, you know. I didn't. You didn't I didn't care. want responsibility. I, like, I still sometimes am like, like responsibility sucks. Like, it's tough. Yeah. I mean, look at our whole nation right now. Right. There's a whole bunch of people in this country who have almost zero concept of the word responsibility. Right. And you were doing that at, like as soon as you could remember. Right. So, I mean, it was, the the drugs were an escape, really, from reality. Well, it, as you're, as you're going to talk about this, so what was, I'm going to push you, what's, what was, tell everybody what was Sunday. 
Sunday was um, my clean date, 10-9-09, so 13 years. Which is pretty incredible. Yeah, no no drugs, alcohol, no mind or mood-altering substance. No weed. Nope. Just a, just a gummy, Brian. Nope, not even that. <laughs> Good job. I, I mean, the whole, like, I... I go to a 12-step program, and it's, like, complete, total abstinence. Um, it's a it's a spiritual program. So, like, if I was to get high, then I'm, like, it may not happen like that, but over time, I'm going to end up being spiritually bankrupt. And it that's where I was when I got there. You know, um, I was, I, I was praying for God just to take me out and just let me not have to deal with life. Um, this is another form of suicide. Right. Slow. Just doing it slowly. Yeah. Um, like I would just pray that I could use enough dope to not wake up. Um, today I enjoy life. Um, there's, you know, I wake up and I thank God to be alive. Um, I go to bed, I thank God for another day, another day clean. With a neighbor like me. What, yeah, I mean, I mean really. I mean, and that's, I mean, <laughs> friends are, I, I mean, other people friends or not i mean we are friends yeah um but we are made by god to be with other people right you know um and i i listening to you like we talk a lot um but listening to your perspective on on god and and Jesus and the fact that the greatest commandment is to love one another. Um, that's, that is, to me, that's, that's life. Like we, we don't tell each other, not me and you, but like as a whole, people don't tell each other they love each other enough like and and love not just saying it but love is a verb yeah you got to do it right so i mean I, like and i see that you know like i i tell a lot of people hey i love you and i think some folks think i'm I'm nuts when i say that but i, I really do like i mean it didn't take long i meet somebody i think about them i get to i try to get to know them and then I'm finding myself like, man, this person's part of my life. Like, even if we just met for a little, like at the music festival this weekend, I met some people that I just met. And, and it's like, man, I love that guy. <laughs> what I know of that guy, who, right. you know, that person. And I think that's, I think that's something that like this, like our relationship as neighbors, you know, since we've been here, we have, there's basically, if you took the three houses on each side of the street right beside us right and then uh, over there's like this whole 
a vast land. <laughs> it does, if, if, you know, because of the empty house and right. all that stuff. But, um, but over here, we have one neighbor that doesn't really communicate much. We have another neighbor that communicates a lot. Another neighbor that's like, that's, you know, his mom. And then we've got beside us a, a fifth group or a seventh group guy. Mm-hmm. And so we have, you know, limited with him. But then the rest of us all seem to talk. Right. Or at least, you know, like we, you know, like the, the three of us, we've been seen standing in the middle of the road at, in the middle of the night. <laughs> um, you know, just, I mean, there's something about how do you, how do you love? Uh, when I, I remember once uh, there was some loud noise and all of a sudden all three of us were out there one yeah. night. And then the other night with the police car down the road, we're all standing mm-hmm. going like, oh, I wonder what you <laughs> And there is something to that love piece where, and we're all different. Like we all have different, uh, we're all Christians and we all have different ideas about that. Right. But it's pretty cool that we're unique. I mean, like we're okay with not saying Hey, I agree with everything you say. Or I even understand everything. Because, you know, like, I think sometimes, like, I don't even have a clue. Like, I I know that I'm involved in a church. Um, You've invited me to your church. We're going to pull that off sooner or later. (laughs) Uh, And then I'm involved in the one over in Pensacola. And it's cool because, like, I still don't have all this. I don't have all the knowledge all the facts. I don't know everything. It doesn't matter how much you study. And that dog's down there snoring. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, we've we've talked about diabetes a little bit. Anything else you'd like to say to anybody like that might just have found out they have diabetes, or or might be thinking, how am I going to take care of? my buddy over here, my loved one, or even my child. Like, how do we, how do we bridge that? Like, what, what do you think about it? Like, is there anything you want to end with there? Like, um, I mean, as, like I was saying before, like, I don't really know any different. Um, but there were times when I was a kid that I was just like, I had no idea what was going on. Like, why is this, why do I have to do this kind of thing? And I, I don't really know what changed, but like I, it just became a part of life. Like, I, the shots were just something that I had to do. And I never really, I never really was, um, like there, like in my legs, I wouldn't, wouldn't get shots in my legs. It hurt. So I would do it in my stomach or my, my hip, my butt cheek. It didn't hurt. I had fat there, you know? Um, I have like zero fat on my leg. Yeah. You're a real skinny guy. So <laughs> like, like, I wish I was as skinny as you <laughs> Like an insulin shot isn't supposed to go into your muscle, but in my leg, it was pretty much going into my muscle. And so you had hurt. to like figure so, out different places to put right. the shots. So once I like when I was little, I, like I think I was probably five or six when I 
started giving myself shots. Um, Mom, when she would do it, she just wanted to get it over with, kind of, I think. And she would almost be like stabbing me. I'm like, ah! But, like, I don't know. It, it just became part of it, you know? And, uh, I mean, I really don't remember when... I'm sure when I was little and mom would give me a shot, I would probably scream, you know, um, but I don't remember that. Well, yeah, because you were 18, 18 months, months old. old yeah. you know? So I guess it just got to where it was second nature. Um, for anybody that's struggling with it, I mean, it's to me when I was in my right mind, like it was it's what kept me alive and what keeps me alive now. Um, I'm, I'm back in my right mind, but for a long time, I, you know, all the drugs and stuff I was doing, I wasn't. Um, so, I mean, if, if anybody's struggling with it, I, I would say keep going, man. You know, it's, it, it gets better. It, well, talking about keeping going 13 years clean and sober. Yeah, that's, I mean, I'll even, I'll, like tonight, I, at our 12-step program, we uh, we do this little thing where we tell our story, kind of, um, and like, it, it's, when I first got clean, like, I, I was kind of doing it for other people, like, I, it was, al- there was almost like an intervention, like, you know, the show Intervention, um, except there wasn't TV, like, it wasn't on TV or anything, no cameras, but, um, so it was kind of like, like, I, I went into this treatment facility to please somebody else, um, but by the time I got out of there and came home, um, something, you know, like, I could see, that maybe there was something to this whole thing. Um, like I, before some people that I used with would go to these meetings and I'd be like, why, why would I want to go do that? Like, um, you're going to come back from it and you're going to have to catch up with me kind of thing. Um, but then once I actually went and saw that, there were people that it, it wasn't just not getting high. Like I, I felt like, like, what am I going to do? That's fun. If I'm not getting high, um, like it's all you like, knew. Right. Um, and so when I actually got involved and like my, my goal was to not use for a year because there were people telling me I couldn't do it. That was really what kept me clean the first year. Um, And then, well, sometime within that first year, going to these meetings and, you know, listening to what other people had to say, um, like I realized that they're really, these people really were staying clean for a year, like, and more and more. Like, I never could stay clean for more than 30 days. Um probably not even that like a couple weeks um and 
look at me now, you know, going to these meetings, being a part of trying to be better today than I was yesterday, not trying to be better than somebody else, but be trying to be better than me. Um, you know, like trying to be a better me. Um, and that really, that's what that program is about is people helping each other be a better them. How do you, like your, your faith is like an integral part of who you are. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, like I said earlier in the show, we, we've been neighbors almost two years. And in that time, in, in that two years time, I think that like you've invited me to church 500 <laughs> no <laughs> there's there's only like 50 50 weeks so that's 100 weeks of those 100 weeks you've probably invited me to church 65 times yeah and um i haven't really made it down there yet it's not that i you know we we, we sit and talk about god all the time right and and i've been to you know i i spent a lot of time going to pensacola and it seems to me that like something happened in you. You even said it before, like this program is a spiritual program. Right. Like you went up there to that retreat. You said this is a spiritual retreat we're going on. What do you mean by that? Like what happened? How, like all of a sudden, like you're a, you're a, and, and you just for our listeners out there, you tell these great stories about here. Like you lived here. You know the stories of here. Right. I mean, I grew up here. I'm 40 years old. Tell, real quick for everybody, like, um, talk about, like, Al Capone and all those gangsters starting this place. Well, just to, just well, to segue actually, into like, something. I want to say that, um, I don't know if it was Ponce de Leon. I, I'm not sure if it was or not. It, one of those guys in that era had a house down here, and they just within the last 10 years, I think, tore it down. Um and in Old Valpy, um, you know, there's a lot of historic sites in Valpy. Um, and there's two houses. I can't remember what. It's either Eastview or Westview or, I don't One of those streets, one side of the street, like there's a house on the corner on each side of the street. And there's, from what everybody always said, there's a tunnel under there in between those two houses. Um, at least there was when you were growing up. Well, that's what they. Yeah, yeah. Those houses are both still there, but I'm sure those are the houses you off. We drove by that one time. We were driving yeah, around together. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there, like, there was a lot of people don't know it, but about like in Fort Walton, there was a lot of underground stuff, like basement type stuff, where they would play poker and you know, oh yeah, do all this. Great. There's, I mean, there the was Bob was here, right? They were, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't here, but stories that I've heard, and you know, um, a lot of, uh, at, and the, what that was probably the forties or fifties, you know, yeah, um, that's the World War Two generation, right? Well, and, and so you talk. I mean, like, so we, you know, you dabbled in these stories and but in pulling back to the spirituality piece you know you've got diabetes 
this uh, you know drug and alcohol problem. Mm-hmm. And it's it it's not that it's a problem, but it's some it it becomes a problem because you just keep right. going with it. And somewhere in here, the church comes back into your life because you told me once that you 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 kind of grew up in the church. Yeah, yeah, I did. I'm I pretty much every Sunday we went to church as a kid. Um, what, when would you have considered yourself a Christian? Like, hey, I I belong here. I believe in this Christ guy. Oh man, I like. Probably, I was probably in elementary school, you know, when I, I mean, it was, it was something that was taught to me, you know, and taught to me by people that I trusted. Mm -hmm. So I believed it at at that young age. You know, I, I always kind of like later in life when I kind of grew away from the church, um, when I, you know, when I was getting high and doing all this other stuff, um, I kind of felt like, almost like it was pushed on me, but I don't, I don't guess now I feel that way, but I, I just, like, up into, up until a certain point, like, where I was, able to make make up my own mind um i mean really like we went to church every sunday and wednesdays and mom would go to bible study sometimes kind of like i we were in church a lot um <clears throat> and I, I i mean i couldn't tell you what how old i was when i first decided that I believed in that, you know, um, but I do, I will tell you like when I was, I was in high school sometime, probably, I was probably 10th, 10th grade. So probably 15 or 16. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of felt like the, the elders in the church looked down on me and some other people in the church and, like other youth, like I was big into the youth group, um, at our church and it just seemed like, I mean, yeah, we, we were doing things we shouldn't have been doing. So maybe they probably should have been not like looking down on us, but trying to not like, I don't, not scolding us, but like saying, look, we've been there. We've probably done some of the same things, but you probably shouldn't be doing it kind of thing instead of like scolding us. And, you know, I kind of more I, direct I think, approach or I think, um, like the same, like a lot of people, in my opinion, like I've, I've seen and heard people say that Christians are hypocrites. Um, mm-hmm. and the, I, I guess that's kind of how I felt Um, seeing like in the church that we went to, they didn't find a problem with drinking. They were, you know, it was, everybody did, 
you know and so if I was out drinking and they said something to me but then I would see them drunk somewhere um it was kind of like I mean I there was legally there was I shouldn't have been drinking I was not old <laughs> enough to but still you know it was as a teenager that's how you think you know um and it it really did push me away from the church um I I don't think like like I said before like when I was using I would like towards the end of it I would pray to God to just take me out of it um so I I never really stopped believing in God I still did um there were points where I felt like things were God's fault or like why would you let this happen to me um but that was I mean my mind was clouded for sure you know with all the drugs that I was doing how many, how many years of this was going on this, these drugs I mean um let's see I was probably so when I'll tell you the first time I drank I was probably 10 or 11 um the school was right by the house I would leave school and go home and I'd get into the parents liquor cabinet um and they they know this um <laughs> I'm not you know and so I love your uh, by the way like just for everybody listening I'm, I'm interject real quick yeah Brian's parents I, I hope to do an interview with your dad like he's two tours in Nome mm-hmm. and then finished did he he's, he's retired right yeah yeah, yeah. And then um, he stayed on. He's one of the most. I got hurt. I had a little situation happen yesterday, and uh, not hurt, but uh, I got in a situation. And your dad came right over, yeah, and, and, and rescued me. You know, like it's like he's just there. And your mom is kind and generous. I mean, she's giving Kate some cooking tips, and and um, and it, it's it, what wonderful parents. Yet at the same time, even though the you know great parents, of course they were people too, struggling in their stuff. Like maybe we'll get some of that out of your dad, yeah. but um, ten years old, you're drinking. <laughs> it's it's almost mind-boggling to me, except for the fact that I know that at ten years old, I own my own business. I was I was doing a whole thing in the summertime, making money. So I guess it's not too far out there. Just, I mean, it was. I don't I don't know what possessed me to do it the first time, but I mean it just was like I I guess dad always had a drink and was like, hmm, wonder what that's all about and I liked it. You and liked it, it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and it grabbed a hold of me. So how um, did you okay, so while we're talking about that, because in the veteran community and not just you know I started this out for, you know, vet church, blah, blah, blah. And it turned out that, like, we're we're dealing with people, right? There's people everywhere. All right. And, you know, I got pulled into that music thing to go around and play music, and everybody was drinking. Not everybody, but, like, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people drunk that I'm mm-hmm. I'm talking to. And then there's people, like, I, I could have a drink and not be drunk. I care right. less one way or the other. Um I mean, I'd like, I I like coffee more. I like alcohol, but I can't, I've got that stomach thing. I can't. So 
you, you know, you just find yourself in these situations. And I wonder, when did, when did it change where you went from the alcohol to the drugs? Was that in high school? Um, the first time I smoked pot, I think I was 16. And just kind of took off from there. Like, <clears throat> I could drive. I could, like, I, I don't know. You man. could, I, you I could smoke weed and drive, or was that what you're saying? Or you No, could, like, I could drive. I could go do oh, whatever I wanted to. I was, okay, like, I, I wasn't saying. stuck. I didn't have yeah. to get my parents to take me somewhere. Okay. I wouldn't have said, hey, Mom, take me over here so I can buy some weed. You know, I didn't have to then. Um, but uh, so I was still involved in the church at that time because like uh, in between I can't remember I think it was in between 10th and 11th grade I went on a mission trip to Costa Rica and we which it was a fun trip too like we didn't just do mission stuff we like we had a couple days where we got to go to the beach and we all like I mean, it was a fun trip. It, there were a lot of us there, and but we also did, we helped them build a church. Um, and, I mean, it was, I was still at that point was, was involved in the church. And I, I mean, I even think even when I was using drugs, I, I was, I wasn't involved in the church, but I, I still, I never quit believing in, in God. Um, I, I do think my, my perception of God may have changed a little bit. Um, like I was saying, like I was mad at God or felt like things were, oh, this is your fault, God. Why are you doing this to me um what did i ever do to deserve this kind of thing but at the end of the day like i i never like i did i turned my back on god um essentially like i i i really my life story is a whole lot like the prodigal child um but I'm back and God reached out with loving arms. Um, you like, know, like he never, you could turn your he, back. He's God is the reason I'm still alive. Yeah. Like I, a lot of the things that I did when I was high, like I, so I, I got a DUI and I didn't drink for a while after that. Um, then, but I, like, I didn't quit using drugs. Like, I, I, I just started doing more of the drugs instead of drinking and doing drugs. Um, so, I mean, I, and so I got the DUI and like, as soon as I got my, um, my hardship license, I was, I I had started drinking again and I was still doing just as many drugs as when I quit drinking. So I just like added back onto it more and more and more. And I, I didn't have a job. 
because I didn't have a driver's like I lost my job or I gave it away because you know I had a good job I got a DUI and I couldn't drive I drove for my job so you know I like you taking responsibility for that right and I, I have to do that now you know I I never I used to not take responsibility for a lot of that stuff and now looking back on it I can see you know I I didn't lose anything. I gave it away. No. You know, I, I, and so, um, so like the day after I got my hardship license back, I decided I was going to go hunting. I, I had got a job. I started like a couple of days later and I was like, I can go hunt. And I was wasted and I rolled my truck. In the woods. I don't hear anything. Luckily or not luckily, it was in the woods. And so I didn't get another DUI because I would have went to prison. It would have been a felony. I would have, you know. Um, so. I, I didn't know that piece. <laughs> and like it, it, I didn't, like I walked away from it. I went to the hospital because I, I did hurt my back, but. It wasn't broken, um, but it like I, I couldn't hardly stand up. But anyways, like I I got through that. Um, but so you know that alone, I wasn't wearing a seatbelt. I <clears throat> all it, numerous things could have happened. You know, like I could have been ejected. I could you know, all kinds of stuff. I ended up in between the steering wheel laying on the windshield upside down. Um, was the car upside down? Yeah. Yeah. So I was you could on, be crushed. Right. And you're not a small guy. Like, um, you're, you're big like me. Yeah. So <laughs> I, things like that. Um, and especially being diabetic, I wasn't taking care of myself at all. Um, like there's, hundreds of thousands of times that I could have, you know, just drinking drugs, all that stuff mixed together with, with not getting insulin, not, you know, not checking my blood sugar. Um, I, it could have killed me. Um, and I, I'm, I really do believe everything happens for a reason. Um, God has a reason for, for everything. Um, and so I'm still here because I'm not, I'm not finished, you know, um, God's not finished with me. Well, I mean, that's one thing about you that like, I, I <laughs> we were talking about like the, reading the Bible one time and it's like, you're not a Bible thumper, you know, you're not this like. Um, you know, you got to do this. You got to do this. You've always been like, God will pull you to Himself. God will. God is care for me. You know, you've always personalized it like God. Right. It's, it's God coming. It's almost like the picture you paint is God coming after you. No matter how fast you run, He's coming after you. And really, I mean, that's how. That's how I try to live. Like. Like, I'm not trying to run away from God, but I feel like, um, 
whether I'm running to God or away from God, God's right there. Yeah. Um, Like, he's with you. Right. And that's really, I truly believe that's why I'm still alive through all the stuff that I put myself through. Um, Just like the, the, the footsteps in the sand that hold there, there's people that are not going to know what that means okay so there's two sets of footsteps and then there's one well it's not mine that's that's god carrying you know, me. or jesus yeah. carrying me um i truly believe that I, he's carried me many times I, yeah, me too like i I'm, i totally buy into that yeah <laughs> um we touched on we 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 started out, you know, we talked about diabetes, uh, the 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 drugs and the alcohol and your sobriety. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, one thing you didn't say is uh, the, about temptation. You haven't said anything about temptation in that. Uh, well, I I mean, so for a long time, like. With the with the twelve step program, like I <clears throat> I have a sponsor, um, and for like I don't have the same sponsor I had when I first started, but that first sponsor, they tell you to call them every day and like good bad you know it it helps everything that they tell you to do in repetition it's to get you used to it, um, which is is great because if I didn't call anybody when everything was good and then shit hit the fan, then I wouldn't be able to pick up the phone. It'd weigh a thousand pounds. So, and and that's where, like I was talking about, um, the 12 step program. Um, it's other people helping, you know, people helping people do better. So it's, really um in the beginning when i was tempted to get high or anything really like if if i was having a bad day um i could call my sponsor and he would talk me down or talk me through it or you know when i was using it didn't matter if it was a good day a bad day or just a day i was gonna get high um so I kind of had to learn how to not do that. And I didn't, like, when I started using drugs, I didn't just figure it out. Like, I was using drugs with somebody else, and they were showing me how they did it. Um, yeah, people always seem to, we're all involved. Like, you know, like, when, when I ask you to do this, it, you're like, well, what do I got to talk about? <laughs> and I'm like, you, you have the sacredness of your story. And and everybody's got this sacred story, right? Like, and, and, and people are like, well, I don't know. You know, Matt, you're, you're a little off there. And I'm like, well, if Christ dies for people, because the fa- God the Father loves people so much, that means there's some sacredness going on. I mean, you're, you're sacred enough in the eyes of Christ to go all the way to death for you. Oh, you know, and then, so when you, when you say it's like people helping me and at the same time you've said, this is God pulling me and God carrying me. 
and there's God in in each of us, right. like in the sense that like we've all been created in His image, and and not everybody gets that. Not everybody gets just how unique they are. That doesn't mm-hmm. matter that they're still unique. They're still special. They still have a state sacred story, and and I love that about how you're saying that like people helped you. You you need to just go. Hey, I'm done. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it. It's it's not always been easy. Um, like I don't these days. It's been a long time, and I I I can play the tape through, and I can say you know if I was to do that, things are going shitty. I'm gonna go get high. Well, that's not gonna make anything better. It's gonna you know it's gonna compound it. Right. Um, and make it worse. Right. Um, and not saying that I don't have temptations and that I'm perfect, but, um, it just, it, it's become a way of life. It was like, I had to make a life change and that's, that's what I did. You know, I, I, there were a lot of people that, that I thought were my friends that even even if they were my friends, I couldn't hang out with them because they weren't they weren't gonna quit doing drugs and the the old saying if you hang out in a barbershop long enough you're gonna get your hair cut. Yeah. You know? Um I I I I was at that point where it was either do it or continue down the same path I was on. And so I something like I was saying earlier, something clicked where I realized there was something to this and I was gonna give it a a, a go, you know? Um Well and you've done it. I mean you're right. you're <laughs> thirteen years. Yep. And I mean really and truly though, like in these programs we we say you know all all we have is today because i have to make a conscious decision every day to continue on the path that i'm on and not get high not harm myself or somebody else um it's like it's and a lot of these things are things that i've heard it's not I'm not just coming up with this. You know, it's stuff that I've been hearing for 13 years. Again, people with you. Right. Um, And it it reminds me of Michael McMillan, the guy that I put up the little video of him with the bagpipes, Michael McMillan, Mm -hmm. Oscar, the guitar player, singer, songwriter. Somebody asked him, like, so when did you become a Christian? And he said, every day. (laughs) And it's the same, really, like with... I make a decision to follow Christ every day yeah. or try and be more Christ-like. Um, I can be an asshole, you know? We all can. Yeah. Um, but as long as I'm giving it my best to be better today than I was yesterday and be more Christ-like today than I was yesterday, then it's a good day. Well, and I think sometimes it's like, you know, no matter if I'm trying or not, Christ is there. Christ loves me. 
Right. You know, it's like the grace of Christ is going to be that I don't have to, you know, like in the final judgment, I'm not like, worried. I love Johnny Cash played some songs with the final, you know, this like final judgment. It's almost mm-hmm. like it takes you to the book of Revelations. And, and now when I read that, I think about Johnny Cash's song where you, you're standing there before God. And Christ has got that. But there's still some responsibility to be right. a decent person, to go out of your way, to mm-hmm. work, to care for, to take responsibility. Right. I mean, and I see you do that all the time. Like, I, we went for a walk with the dogs last night and saw you at the city council meeting up there. And and then we wound up talking with one of the, you know, the sheriffs and then another officer. You know, And Kate and I were up there like two hours talking. Nice. And we come home, y'all had gone to bed. Or at least all the lights were off, you know, in the uh-huh. mainframe. And um, I said to Kate, I was like, man, I don't know how they do it, man. Like, and Kate's like, well, Brian's probably up, but... <laughs> But uh, I probably was because. But you guys get up and you work, and and Kate's like, and when you got kids, that's what you're gonna do. Yep, you're gonna push, and you're and you're doing this Christ likeness. Because I see you working for people. I've I've been around more than once. And you're like, I gotta go. I'm gonna help somebody do something. I gotta go weld something for somebody. And so you got all these skills too. Let's talk about that for a minute. Like, let's start with the hunting and fishing. You this place. What's Valparaiso mean again? Vale of Paradise. It's gorgeous here, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is like, this reminds me of this little, um, it's almost like an island, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. You know, we call it the, they say the Twin Cities with Niceville, but mm. we're so different than Niceville. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like, how many parks do we have? Five or six, and it's a. I mean, we're. I don't. I couldn't tell you what the population is, but it's, it's pretty much. Grown as much as it can. There's a couple, small pieces of land that could be developed, but. It's not. I mean, you're not gonna. You can't. If you're listening to this, you're not. You'd be very fortunate to find a house. Right. It'd be something like what happened with me, where Hope calls me up and was like. We can rent you the house, and I said, "Well, I'd have to do this, this, and this because of my dogs, and this because of this." And but I'd buy it from you, and she's like, "Yeah, right." <laughs> and then and then they sold it. I mean, I feel so like blessed about that later. But but you grew up here. Mm-hmm. We have flowers. There's birds everywhere. You just sit outside in the morning. They're just yeah. chirping away. It's dark when I go to work. Well, yeah, but you know. I, I that's you though. That's another thing. Like I recently, within the past year, changed jobs and I work for a, a government entity, and it's much less stress. I get home at two thirty, or well, I get off work at two thirty, so I'm home around two forty-five. I can do things around the house. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's well, it's a big deal. You, I mean. You fix stuff, um, you understand engines, you weld. I'm not a mechanic. No, I, but Like, you... I can uh, do some things. Um, and I, that comes from from Dad. You know, Dad, Dad can... I, I've helped him, like, tear down an engine and put it back together. Yeah. Um, 
but like he's the one that can and joe actually was a mechanic he worked for a mechanic for a couple summers um your brother's prolific man i mean i guess we all kind of have done all kinds of stuff tell us about the the one job that you did that like i've never really understood i always it's interesting i've always wanted to ask you about it i never have and so while we're here we got to go back to the hunting and fishing because you grew up on that water all the time and hunting and or at least later but but the job like since we're here what about the prop you were building a prop we didn't build them what is what is a prop first explain that because there's people that don't know um it's what makes a boat go um it's you gotta explain that. <laughs> okay, so the so it depends whether it's a an inboard or an outboard engine. So an inboard engine is like more like a car engine. Mm-hmm. It has a transmission on it, um, and then from the transmission, there's a shaft, and on the end of that shaft, there's a propeller, um, a prop. It's somewhat like a, a airplane propeller, but an airplane propeller is pulling where a boat propeller is pushing. Um, so how what did you guys do? Got, did you make them? No, we didn't make them. We, we repaired and tuned them. Um, huh? Tuned them. So a propeller has a pitch, and if the pitch is not correct, if it's too high in pitch, the boat is going to be way overloaded like you're trying to start out in a car in fifth gear. So it's kind of so lugging it's, it. Right. Um, or like like you put a big lift on a on a truck, you put 40-inch tires, but you still have a four-cylinder engine. It ain't going anywhere. Right. Yeah. Um, so if it's too high, it's like that. If it's too low, it's just going to wind out, and you're never going to, you know, it's, it's going to be like you're staying in first gear. So, so so it's got to be th- it's got to be balanced and and a it growing up on the water in a boat as a kid I I had no idea like yeah there's a prop on there it'll go but <laughs> after working there like there's a lot to it um, yeah the diameter the pitch the uh, like the blade shape um, you can have a prop that's the same diameter and pitch but it has really sharp blades on it and it's not going to perform the same as one that has a big blade on it um it, it's just is it the same with so those, much to it when you go by the navy station the base or whatever and they've got those like props that are propellers that are like eight feet high i mean they're bigger than me you know you're mm-hmm. looking at them they're wide too do those things have to say? Are they tuned and pitched and all that too? Um, so we didn't. We went up to sixty inches, um, but and we used like we used a computer um, that had it had a a rod that had a wheel on it, and it, the prop was attached to a turntable, and it would measure the face of the blade. Um, essentially, it was taking a drop measurement every every degree of rotation um the bigger props and even some of the smaller props depending on what shop you go to they take a drop measurement every so often up the blade and that's how they do it 
But in between those, it's not, it could be way totally different, you know. Um, but with the computer program that we used, it would, it would give you a line graph. And with that line graph, it showed you what it was supposed to be and what it really was. And so you were trying to get one line closer to the other, like as close to the other one as you could. And that would get you the pitch that you were trying to get to. Were you with like hammers? You were hammering that thing out. Yep. Because you said something to me one time, like, "Yeah, you just gotta like swing that hammer all day." Right. And I was like, "What is he talking about?" <laughs> yeah, everything. I mean, metal has a memory. So if you if we did use hydraulics some, if we couldn't move it without the hydraulics, but even when you move it with the hydraulics, you still have to hit it to shock the metal. To make it s try and make it stay where you're pushing it to. Oh, I can almost hear some like lifetime analogies right of this. I mean, you got to take a hit. And <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever watch? You watch the Rockies? The Rocky yeah, yeah, movies? yeah. Like, I think it was like one of the last ones, Rocky Four or Five or something, where he's he's an old man and um, the guy's like he's gonna go fight one more time or something. And he says, it's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how much hard hitting you can take. Mm -hmm. And and I'll, I've always loved that quote and, and used it, but now I'm hearing you say this about the, you have to shock the metal. <laughs> like, you, you pound it so it moves. And, you know, they always, you hear people say, well, a lot of pressure to make a diamond. What if it's the blows in life that help make us who we are, too? I mean, really, I, I do think that, Everything we go to go through shapes who we are, you know. Um, it's without the bad, we wouldn't know the good. Yeah, like good wouldn't be good because it would just be what it is. Right. Yeah. Um, and I say bad, but not everything is bad that we portray as bad. Um, it's all it's all perspective where where you're at you know where you're at in your head you once told me i'm segueing again but about being where you're at again like it just like it i keep wanting to go back to that like growing up you growing up here because the to go out to the beach and surf you said earlier in our interview uh you'd go out there as a kid a lot mm -hmm. and you're surfing and you're on the water another time we're talking one day and you said what's a boat stand for <laughs> and i was like huh and you said break out another thousand say that one more time break <laughs> out another thousand like it's not cheap i've i've um man, boats are just they're expensive and my brother who's who's you know out in the gulf helping with the oil fields and he has a big ship that he's a captain of uh, to me it's a ship it's huge mm -hmm. and uh marty's like yeah we're driving by somebody's house one day and marty they got a real nice boat in their driveway and marty says you know what that guy is i said no and marty's like that guy's a guy who can afford a boat payment yeah <laughs> it's not on the dock he's not on it right now it sits there most of the time <laughs> mm -hmm. he can afford a boat payment when you and nowadays there's i mean you're you're looking at a hundred thousand dollars for a, a 
nice size boat. Right. It's like a house payment. Well, and, and the, the folks I see out, like I want to go fishing more often than I did when I was younger. And, and, and I wanted to go, like I like wade fishing. I fish out there off the point, you know, mm-hmm. the postal point, that whole area, because yeah. grass flats. And, and um, you realize that, like, to get in a boat, though, and go one nautical mile, and it's almost a gallon of gas. Like a whole gallon. Oh, yeah. Like the, the, the those engines that run those props, they, they ain't no yeah, electric. Yeah. You know, like... There's no Tesla out there. <laughs> I don't know that I want to be in a electric boat. No, it's I, strangely enough, those cars, I was talking to a mechanic about them. He said, you can die real easily if you mess with that battery wrong. Yeah. I'm, I could imagine. Because there's a lot, a lot of, of electricity power. in there. Yeah. And th- there's, they're super cool cars. Um, I, I just, you know, I don't think they're, it's not salvation. <laughs> But it's, <laughs> they are what they are. Yep. So hunting, I, I read a thing recently where you said hunting is one of my happy places. <laughs> yeah, man, it is. It's being in God's creation. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I was probably, I, I was probably 16 when I started hunting deer. Like I would of squirrel hunting and stuff like that before but a friend of mine um we i mean we hunted anytime we were allowed to hunt we didn't always do it the way we were supposed to do it um <coughs> now nowadays like I've, I've said a few times like i'm trying to be a better person um i i do it by the book i do it i try to be ethical about it and by the law um i don't ride around and try to shoot things out the window um what's well there's I mean, people that do this stuff man. there are and and i i did like uh that was i don't know that was we'd go ride around and drink and try to shoot things out the window but not anymore that's not it's not right. It's not the way it's supposed to be done. Um, and, and, and like, we, okay, so we say, like, it's not the way it's supposed to be done. There's something real special about keeping the deer population alive. Mm-hmm. You know, Jeremy down here, our scientist friend, another neighbor, <laughs> he's an actual scientist, works out in the uh, in this world. He's telling me about all the populations. Like, they, these, you can wipe out stuff. Oh yeah. I mean, we can't seem to wipe <coughs> out the mosquito, but <laughs> like is it animals that you know, and, t- and I don't know about y'all, but deer meat is incredibly tasty when well when when done right. Yeah. And like we we eat ground deer meat like we would eat ground beef. So if I don't kill two or three deer, we're buying beef. Yeah. Um, which I mean is not horrible that we have to buy beef, but it's a whole I I enjoy the deer meat. My whole family does, so maybe we, you know. <coughs> but is, uh, is it hard? Is it hard to do this? Um 
I mean, around here, there's, I and I hunt mostly public land, so public land hunting is, you're, you all pay the same price to hunt out there. So if somebody's where you were going to go, you can't be like, you're in my tree stand. You know, it's just as much theirs as it is yours. Um, so if I wanted to go hunting this year, you know, I got that sportsman license because mm-hmm. we're fortunate as veterans to get that. I just get out granddaddy's shotgun and go out there and sit. As long as it's gun season. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. There is, there's bows. So archery season starts in like a little over two weeks. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. You shoot a bow, too. I remember we oh, trimmed yeah. some trees over here for you yep. one time. <laughs> yep. Uh, I mean, I. some people are avid bow hunters or avid rifle hunters or if I'm if it's legal I'm gonna I'm gonna be hunting yeah you know not everybody hunts with a bow not everybody can um and that there's something to be said about killing a deer with a bow um they've got to be much closer to you um and it I don't know, man. It's it. You even go ahead. even like if I'm sitting out there and they're not close enough to me, like it's it's something about they call it buck fever. But like they, uh, if I see a deer and I'm in a tree stand, I'm my heart's beating fast, shaking. Really? It's uh, yeah. It's I mean, there's it's part of it. So, I mean, that's part of, if that doesn't happen, if I get to where I'm just numb to it, what's the point in hunting? No, I'm that, I, now I am that way when it comes to fishing. You know, like walking to flats, catching redfish, mm-hmm. catching trout, putting my fly in the right place. Right. I, I, like, it, I don't know why I can't get enough of it. And because it is booting the last two months, because this is the time. Right. This is the time to be in a yeah. flats right now, and I can't do it. And, Hopefully she clears me tomorrow. And the, see the rod right there? I'll tell you. Got them fly rods. <laughs> but I didn't know. I didn't like. I never really thought about that. But that ex- it's, it's almost the exact way it happens. Like when something hits the lure, mm-hmm. it's like my heart goes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I hope you harvest a lot of deer this year. <laughs> Me too. Bring home some. Share with the neighbor. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. You're always welcome. <laughs> well, um, uh, the guy that used to live over here doesn't anymore. Uh, I can't Thomas? remember his name. Oh no. Uh, uh the young kid, Stephen. Stephen. He he uh, harvested a deer last year and brought over a portion of it. And I, uh, my buddy Matt at Cafe mm-hmm. Mill, my buddy, he was like. He was done working. I called him up. I was like, "Hey, man, I got this venison," and um, and and Stephen just cut it off Mm -hmm. and like gave me this portion, and I brought it to Matt, and Matt was like, "I cut the fat off," and Matt was like, "Don't do that next time." (laughs) And uh, not a whole lot of fat on it, but it was so good. It, It and part of that was probably. Not probably. Part of it was 
you know, it was just a, a great tasting piece mm-hmm. of meat. The other thing is Matt's a chef, you know, like right. he knows what to do. But, <laughs> but man, I, I still tell he was he made this stew type stuff, and it was just. He mm-hmm. called me up. It's like, hey, your venison's is ready. <laughs> Doc sits down here at my feet and he wants to snore. <laughs> so the uh did you fish a lot growing up? Yeah, I did. I I mean so my grandparents lived on the water. Um so anytime and we were just like a a block away. So from man, I I don't even know how old I was when I learned how to swim. I long as i can remember i could swim um and having an older brother i was always tagging along with him mom would just yeah you know i mean when we were kids get out of the house don't come back till either it's dark or the dinner bell rings yeah um we drank out of hoses yeah (laughs) yeah all the time um did you guys like when you were we had like a, a seine net. Yeah, yeah. And we'd catch bait and we would we'd fish all day long. Or if we weren't fishing, we were we had this little bitty so dad had a gill net back when they were legal. Oh and yeah. We would set the gill net, but we had this little just a little bitty boat. It was probably like four foot by four foot that the the net would sit in and when you would put it out you would drag that little boat and somebody would sit back there in it and toss it out the back well when we weren't using it as for the gill net we would we would see how many people you could get in it before it sank and i mean we we were always in the water whether we were fishing or rowing like we people have paddle boards now we had paddle boards back then it was a windsurfer without the the yeah. sail on it, you know, we I would, remember that. we would get five or six of us on that thing and we'd paddle up Tom's Creek. I mean, we would, it was, how far that up was does life. Tom Creek's go? Well, it goes a long ways, but you can't go like used to, you were allowed to go up and like, it wasn't, it's part of the base. So, and you're, you go up almost to the runway, so they don't let you go in there anymore, but uh. We used to go up and cross over, um, well, cross under, where the gate that, um, where they let people in, that like workers in. Delivery trucks. Um, we, we would cross under that road, and there was a pond in there, and we would fish in that pond. Oh, but there were some bass there. There were some man. monster bass in there, but you can't, I mean... If you get caught in there now, it probably put you under the jail. You know, on the other side of the runway, where I walk the grass flats, mm-hmm. there's that little John's Lake or whatever it's called. Ben's Lake? Now it's one come come this way. It's from Ben's Lake. There's just a little, you know where the horse, the stables are? Yeah. There's uh, a little lake right there. I know there. where you're talking about. It's... it's right at the end of the runway. And, well, anyway, it runs out of the bay. That's Camp Robbins. Okay, okay. Dude, I've spent a lot of time out there, too. 
when I was in middle school, like all my friends lived on base. You don't want to tell that story. <laughs> no. no, no. <laughs> I remember the one yeah. story you told me. Like, yeah, I won't tell that story. Well, the um, the the craziness is with like right there where it goes, that little creek comes out and goes into the water. Mm-hmm. I mean, into the bay. I caught the biggest bass I've ever caught, and I caught it on a Rapala that I was fishing for trout with. Mm-hmm. And I saw it over there, and I was like, what if I just did it? Boom. And I mean, that thing was like, oh, man. It was, we're talking a couple of pounds maybe. Yeah. And it was it was close to, I would say, like 19, 22 inches long. So it was big. It was a big yeah. bass. It was largemouth. So it's mm-hmm. like. <laughs> yeah, they, they come out into the brackish water. Like that We would, like, right mind. by, um, Nani and Popo, which was my what we called my grandparents, their neighbors had a dock, and we would we would see bass around their dock all the time. Really, and up into Tom's Bayou, yeah. I didn't know that. That's man, I've got a lot to learn. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's fairly fresh. It is the water is. I mean, so many we're ha- so far away from the Gulf that I mean. It's it really is. It's fairly fresh water. Well, somebody asked me one time, they're like, you know, it was something about we, we you know, because we were poor. In the sense that, like, sometimes we just didn't have enough to eat, you know. Like, and I was that you know, you talk about the same net. Mm-hmm. I'd eat some of that bait. We did too, and, and I never thought of it as sushi. I just thought like I'm hungry. Let's eat it. I'm not going to go all the way back home and try to find something. There's probably nothing in the cupboard. Mm-hmm. Or if it is, Mom said, that's for later. Right. I don't, I don't know how your mom did, but back in the day, like on payday, they go to the commissary and they get all this food. Mm-hmm. And they come home and it's like, you know, and now you go to the commissary and half the shelves are empty right now. Um, just in case anybody needed to know that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I, th- I think it's the same way with Publix. Right, yeah. You're missing food. Walmart's. I remember somebody called me over and said, there's nothing at Walmart. I'm like, nothing? There's nothing at Walmart. <laughs> so I go to Walmart. I mean, there's stuff there. It's just. It's not what they wanted. That's not what they wanted. Just like, there's plenty of food <clears throat> in commissary. Um, it's. But it was always interesting to me. Like, I, I drank the water. You know the bar out in Choctaw Beach that's on the water? It was when we were kids. There's a little park near the end of, mm-hmm. on the east side. So we, we grew up right up from there. I drank the water, right? I mean, like, we'd go over to uh, Mullet Creek, which the government now says, uh, or the state of Florida, I guess it was, saying. When I last checked, it said the levels of Agent Orange in Mullet Creek were acceptable. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> like, it just cracked me. I was like, come on, any level. Ex-? Right. But um, and we drank that as kids. Like, I would go, well, there's the bay water and there's that. I'm not walking all the way home for a drink. Right. Um, I don't, you know, you go, there was a little spigot on the outside of the bar. But we're down there in the water swimming. Just just drink some of that. You'll be okay. <laughs> like, yeah. And we did, you know. Um, And it's like you said, like, there wasn't TV. There wasn't video games. We were always outside. You yeah. know. And we're, how old are you? 40. 
and I'm 51, so it's 11 years difference, and we're still seeing uh, the, the continuity of like lifestyle was still mm-hmm. there. Oh yeah, I don't know when it changed. I mean, in the 80s, I guess it did. <clears throat> like, like I, I was born in 82, so I'm kind of like on the growing up in small town USA. I mean, it's it's different. Like we still even try to get our kids outside, but it doesn't always happen. But. Yeah, but there are always kids walking by our, yeah. our street. There's kids going in the summertime. It's not the same as it was when when no. we were kids at all, but the highways a whole lot more busy too, you That's know. That's true. So I get it. I mean, I I don't so much like it, but it's the base grew without the base growing you know we we wouldn't we wouldn't be where we are now you were you telling know? me something like the history of Eglin Air Force Base is that a person who lived here in Valparaiso gave the government that land or something but I think they leased it to him for like a dollar for a hundred years or something like that <laughs> <clears throat> I mean it's and it's all, which I guess they own it now, but it's, it's. I think it's the second largest Air Force base in the in the country or in the in, world. In the free world, right? Yeah, in the free world. Well, it's because of the reservation. We right. have, there's so much here, and the, and the population of veterans between. One of the guys was telling me the other day. He said the population of veterans between Panama City. And Mobile is one of the highest populations of veterans in the world, like that we that we know of. Like wow. you know, and so and um, I you know it's that's why I think it's important to start these things up again because yeah, why shouldn't we be doing them? You know, these stories are sacred. Your dad, um, you know, he didn't serve all that time and. and do the tours in, in Vietnam that he did so that you had to go to war. Right. He did so you didn't have to. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's kind of the thought process that I have picked up from most veterans. <laughs> Which, did as a kid, do you remember the Army-Navy right up here? Oh, yeah. On the hill? We used to love to go to those places. Me there too, was one man. in Fort Walton, too. Yeah? That, uh, that we would go to. But yeah, I mean, growing up, we would like, we would go through our our backdoor neighbor's yard, like we would jump our fence, go through their yard, and then there was like a, it's really just a swamp, but it was woods. We would go back there and play army or, you know, play Dude. war or whatever, you know, and <clears throat> we would take MREs and you know it was we loved to eat MREs man yeah it was it was cool I wanted to buy a case the other day you know what a case of MREs cost right now what's that it's almost like a hundred bucks or something golly it was just for a few you know it wasn't the big thing of them I was like what yeah well everything's yeah. expensive it is and, and then like and then we've got like there's this paranoia going on that like there's not and it's and weird I bet people are buying them up so then supply and demand well, People here, want them, so they're going to charge more for them. Right. 
Well, and I, I know a lot of people that have extra food, right? They, um, mm-hmm. they're they're getting ready. They think that things are going real well, and so they're stocking up on food. And the same people that are doing that, I know for a fact, a lot of those folks, if somebody knocked on the door and said, "I haven't eaten in two days," they're gonna be like, "Let me get you some food." Yeah, you know, and and see, that's that's why America is great. Mm-hmm. That's why we have like, I mean, that's a a hope thing, you know, like I got hope written on the wall here that I'm tapping. <laughs> like, it's, that, uh, uh, that gives a lot of people hope. That gives me hope that maybe things might turn back the way we want them. Right. But you know what? I don't know, man. I say that, but at the end of the day, it's it's going to go the way God wants it to go. Right. And I think that like, as long as humanity sees the other humanity, mm-hmm. you know, like they've talked about, we talk about war. Um, and you, you and I grew up around it, whether or not you, you know you didn't join, but you're right here. You can't. I mean, I, don't I couldn't. I would have. Well, that diabetes. The, yeah, man. <laughs> the uh the weird thing is, like overhead, I don't know if it's happened while we've been talking, but we were right at the end of a runway. And depending on which pattern off of that runway they go off of, this jet's fly right over our house. Mm-hmm. Like, I I almost don't even notice it anymore. But it happens all the time. Like, yeah. you, know, you say all the time, not constantly. It doesn't happen as much now as it did when, when I was a kid. Like, it was every day. They yeah. were flying every single day. And, it, and now it's like time. about 10 times a week. Mm-hmm. You know that you're gonna hear, yep. but um, but you're right. Like we were, we had a huge library out there. Mm-hmm. There was a lot. Things were a lot different here then, and that's what, you know. Sometimes when I think like what I want the country to be like, like you said, like what we want, we want that. We want that peace where, like I, I remember the kid. We could, if you wanted to hitch a ride with somebody, just jump in, mm-hmm. and and there was never this thought that like. Yeah, you know, I know we didn't know anything about sex trafficking and 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 slavery and usage of humans for whatever. You just didn't no. hear about none of that down here. Mm-hmm. I remember high school, at least. Okay, so I don't know about you. Got eleven years here. Um, I went to Rocky. You went to Niceville. Mm-hmm. Uh, like every truck in the, in our parking lot. Had a shotgun in the back or a rifle. Um, well, so not so much when we were like the Columbine shooting happened. Yeah, that was and, after us. <laughs> well, that was like when I was, I think, I I was either in middle school or just started high school. Okay. So all that kind of that put an that put it into it. That. That's when that ended. Um, a friend, well, I say a friend, somebody that I grew up with, um, he had been hunting and he came to school after he went hunting and he got expelled because he had a shotgun in, in his window. Oh, really? He forgot to put it behind the seat. Huh. Which so is... if it would have been hidden where nobody saw it, nobody would have saw it and it wouldn't. he wouldn't have gotten in any trouble, but... We just never thought like nobody ever like I didn't I don't remember sitting in school and anybody thinking anything's bad gonna happen. Right. Like the worst case of it was like 
We had tornado drills. We didn't have right. Like yeah. Nowadays they have like all kinds of like lockdown, lockout, lock this. Like everybody really? be quiet. If a fire alarm's pulled, that's probably not a fire. There's somebody who pulled the fire alarm to get everybody to scatter. I mean, oh, and, and really? I, I mean, I, I get the fact that it's happened, but. Why don't we just, I'd love to see our nation get back to a place where everybody's like, that's never going to happen, man. Like, I think the anxiety level has risen. Oh, yeah. And um, there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of, uh, well, well, it goes it goes back to this idea that, like, um, is the government God or is God God? Is man God? In our laws, God, or is it is it different in that it's God? Like the the world we live in is is tainted by sin, mm-hmm. and sin being if the you know like I always I I love like you know if you don't take care of the fatherless, you don't take care of the widows. That's you know that's what um, the, you're supposed to do. That's and then if you know to do something that's right, you don't do it. That's sin. Mm-hmm. And then the idea of holiness, like like when God says for to Christ to go to Earth, He's talking about they're not holy. He's not like they're like they're so He doesn't name this or that or thing, you know. Because uh-huh. what what could be a sin for one person <clears throat> is not a sin for another person. Like we like the addiction we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, if like if I have a beer, there's like zero temptation that I'm gonna have like forty beers. <laughs> it's all like what is your motive behind it? Right, and and, and so and so for each person <clears throat> it changes a little bit. You know, because right. each person has different motives and. And and sometimes we don't look at each other as valuable there. We don't say, hang on a second, so Brian's coming over. I'm not going to have a beer sitting out for him. You know, and uh, sometimes we don't make those thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't make, and it's easy with that one to, to connect that because right. it's such a big deal. But there's little things that go on too with people. Like, um, well, you don't do this this way. And so I'm going to I'm going to say something that makes you feel stupid. We have a lot of that kind of division mm-hmm. going on where I, I just can't wait to see it where it's more like this idyllic little not community but country where you can walk down the street and every person is valued and every person is looked at like you know what we might have to go the extra mile for this guy over here cuz they're just not getting it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that are not getting it, you know. Right. Like, so what do we do? We got we got to stop and care for them because mm-hmm. they're always going to be them folks, you know. <laughs> you can, you can yeah. give them a thousand different breaks, but they ain't going to get it. Mm-hmm. So, so anything else we should cover? I don't know. I think we've covered. I mean, we could probably sit here and talk for hours. I know. But, I mean. But part of it's like the, you know, like, what's the goal? You know, like, and the goal we we decided to do this was. To give people hope. 
and and we did in in two areas that are huge in your life right and especially and i think we all i mean like i, I think we think about hey link has joined us mm-hmm. that's my dog um i wonder if he's got to go out but the, we think about the uh we think about hope we think about just being with people and listening to stories and hanging out and if you don't have a neighbor like Brian or like Matt I, I, I'm sorry for you like I, I feel bad about that because there are people that don't have neighbors and but then there's a whole bunch of other people and for those people I think we can both challenge them you still have to walk next door and find out who the people are yeah and I, I will say, before y'all, like we would, we would say hi. And try to you know try to interact a little bit, but it's hard. Uh, it it's especially hard when the people that you're trying to interact with don't really want you to. Like you knock on the door and say, "Hey, welcome to the neighborhood," and they're like, "Uh, <laughs> well, who are you? I, what do you want?" Right. Like, and that's really, it's gotten that way. Um, 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 we're grateful that y'all didn't do that. You know, like, really, like, we didn't know. We knew CJ and we knew a couple of the other people. Um, but it, it's different. Like, we, especially since when we were kids, we knew everybody neighbors were you know they watched out for each other they the older neighbors see kids running around doing something they weren't supposed to they tell your parents yeah which was probably a good thing not so much for us we didn't think it was good but it probably was it kept us out of some trouble but nowadays it is nothing like that well um do you want to talk more and me slip this dog outside or do you want to just... I'm good. I think we... Okay. I think he's okay for... I, I don't know, man. Like, I get it. He's old. Yeah. Link's an old dog, guys, and he's making a guest show just standing here looking at us like, you need to let me outside. <laughs> so, anyway, um, Brian, thanks for... Thanks for having me. Hey, is your, is your name with a Y? B-R-Y-A-N? Cause that's how I got it on my phone, and somebody said Kate said something the other day. And I was like, "No, I, it's well, actually so." My mom's mom, her maiden name was Bryant, and with a T on the end of it. And they, I, that's where the name came from, just without the T. Really? So it's B R Y A N. Cause my, oh, that's pretty cool, man. I, and I know some Bryants. I've met a lot of Bryants too. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I mean, like that's the takeaway. Uh, you guys just you gotta you gotta get to know your neighbors, and then you find out they've got these great stories, and then you find out that like having somebody can go over and check on your dogs when you're not home or whatever. Man, it's pretty cool. It's it's great having a neighbor because it's like, you know, you're not alone. And 
I know that God's always there, even in the tragedy and everything. Man, it sure is good to see see your face. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like to see another person, mm-hmm. like you said in the very beginning, like this other people. All right. So we're all in it together. We we really are. Like this is our life. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Well, um, thanks for joining us on the Vet Church and uh, all that stuff. The Vet thanks Church interviews. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. And, and this is this is the first uh, podcast we've recorded in the new under the five hundred one c three era. <laughs> Whatever cool. that means. <laughs> the nonprofit. <laughs> we were nonprofit without nonprofit. <laughs> all right. Love y'all. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, stay tuned. We'll have more episodes coming up. Thank you for joining us for this Vet Church interview. Your feedback is welcome. Find out more at vetchurch.com or retiredarmychaplain.com.